Next up on the Reliance Partners Safety Matters podcast, we will be diving into the granular, detailed approach that FMCSA has taken in developing the expansion of nearly 1,400 new roadside regulations for commercial motor vehicles. Here's a preview of our discussion featuring Reliance Partners safety teammate, Mark Barler. Just saw an inspection report come across my desk that says, hey, this was a post-crash inspection. Well, none of the violations that were listed were listed as being caused by the crash. So if there's a column, they'll say crash. And if it has a Y in it, that means, yes, it was caused by the crash. That violation won't count towards your CSA score. But if it says N there, and it's an area that was just destroyed by the crash, and everything is listed as N, then every violation that was listed is going to count towards your SMS score. It will. And we have to do a data queue challenge to have the inspection report change to reflect that that violation there was caused by the crash. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Safety Matters, the podcast series from Reliance Partners. I'm Tom Albrecht, the Chief Financial Officer and Chief Revenue Officer at Reliance Partners, and I'm your host for this podcast, which is serving as a companion to the Safety Matters webinar series from Reliance. As you heard in our opening, we will continue our discussion of the broad expansion of roadside inspections by the FMCSA. In the last episode of the Safety Matters podcast series, we shared with you that FMCSA had added nearly 1,400 new regulations that are coming into play following FMCSA's prioritization preview that was done in 2023. Once again, on this episode, we will be joined by Mark Barler and Daniel Vega, two safety teammates here at Reliance Partners. As we shared with you in prior episodes, both Mark and Daniel are former state troopers who were heavily involved with commercial trucking inspections during their careers. Mark and Daniel are also well-respected within the trucking industry for their expertise in understanding FMCSA regulations and the implications for professional drivers and safety managers across the industry. Now, as we take you back to our conversation that is also a part of our Safety Matters webinar series, I began by talking with Mark about an example of the granularity around the new FMCSA regulations. Mark, let me ask you a question. So now they're breaking out categories for a steer tire versus a regular tire. Technically, there's no regulatory change. Why are they breaking this out between a steer tire and a regular tire? Is it all about points or is there some other higher purpose thereafter? I think there's a higher purpose for it. And that is it kind of takes it away from the inspecting officer to write down additional information identifying which tire it was and what the issue for the tire was. Is it a cut in the sidewall that exposes more than one ply? Is it a separation of the sidewall? Are there abrasions in it? So they break that down for the steer tires versus non-steer tires. Just because steering tires are, I'm guessing, are very much more important than any other tire in there. So I think it's for that. What's going to be a problem is, is there's going to be so many different violations to choose from that an officer can inadvertently choose the wrong one, which I gave the example from before. They're talking about a vacuum line being abraded versus an air hose line. 
And when they already have another air hose line that was abraded listed on the inspection report, you're looking at two four-point violations that are going to count against you. Now we have to do a data queue to get that one violation changed over to the correct coding. So realistically, it's more on the safety managers when you get those inspection reports for violations to make sure that they're using the correct coding, which comes into the wording. It's taken the thought process out of the inspecting officer by having that language automatically put in on the inspection report and they don't have to add too many of their own notes. That's where it's going to help and hurt the officer because I've seen lazy officers do this. Well, this is what the heading says, so this must be the violation versus reading the regulation and finding out, oh, that encompasses a bunch of stuff, this heading, but it doesn't encompass this situation here because this is what the regulation actually says. Mark, I can envision a scenario where a really thorough officer is probably going to be more thorough in a way where there's going to be fewer data cues that can be challenged against him because he's going to be more granular than ever. But I can also see others just relying on the headlines and getting a little bit lazy, which then provides an open door for you to do a data cue challenge because when the descriptions are inaccurate or incomplete, that's one of the openings you look for, correct? That is absolutely correct. And then we look forward to make sure that if it's listed as out of service, it's listed in the out of service criteria, what level of inspection that it was, and it complies with the level of inspection that was completed. If it's a hazardous material inspection that they put down, whether or not it was a placardable load or not, all of those things make a difference. Let's say you got a placardable load of hazmat, you got five different violations on it, but they didn't list it as a placardable load on the inspection. You know what's going to happen? those violations aren't going to count towards their SMS. Now, in reverse, let's say you're hauling class nine materials, which never needs placarding, and you got a hazmat violation for the placards, a violation for the UNID numbers. Those are five points each, 10 points for hazmat, and they put it down as a placardable load. Well, now they're going to generate scores for something they shouldn't generate scores for. I look into all of those things to make sure that everything is done correctly. Another big one, just saw an inspection report come across my desk that says, hey, this was a post-crash inspection. Well, none of the violations that were listed were listed as being caused by the crash. So if there's a column that'll say crash. And if it has a Y in it, that means, yes, it was caused by the crash. That violation won't count towards your CSA score. But if it says end there, and it's an area that was just destroyed by the crash, and everything is listed as end, then every violation that was listed is going to count towards your SMS score. It will. And we have to do a data queue challenge to have the inspection report changed to reflect that that violation there was caused by the crash. Just little nuances like that. If you are unaware of how the inspection report is uploaded up to FMCSA and how that affects your SMS score, you may never realize that this shouldn't affect your scores. And that's part of the reason why I help out my customers. Just another way to help them out. We are starting to get a few questions. And the first one is oriented towards Daniel. If you're going to get a notification on the status of a driver who's had a change, Daniel, would that motor carrier still be required to run them in a limited queue every year? So once you get that notification, you're basically within 24 hours, you got to go into the clearinghouse and recommend doing a full query to see if the reasoning behind the status change on that notification. So focus on the reason. Yeah. 
And then we had another question here. The individual says, we had a similar situation with brake hoses, two violations under the same code, 393.45B2PC. One is... For the service line is one is for the emergency line. So those are old codings. Yeah. And if you have two violations with the exact same code, one is going to count towards CSA, the other will not. Now, if they break those two apart, where it says that 393.45B2PCS for like a service line and E, then those will break apart at that point. And one will be four points and the other one will be four points. I'm going to do a search for it real quick to see if that is actually in there because that's a very good question. Is that one you could do a data queue challenge on, Mark? No, because they are the same regulation. The regulation is the 393.45, and it'll probably be paragraph B, paragraph 2. The PC is the designator. That's the code that they're using to assign points in SMS. When it comes to this 393, I always keep going back to the lighting because it's such an easy regulation. 393.9A states that all required lighting in 393.11 must be operational at all times. So they do the 393.9A code dash LIL for identification light, LCL for clearance light. They change up those codes so SMS can assign those points. LIL never existed before. LCL never existed before. LML never existed before. And now still find it incredible that some states are enforcing it and others aren't and carriers are being treated not equally across the United States. It just floors me here. Okay, we've got a question. Daniel, I think it's oriented towards you. How can a driver finish the SAP program within 60 days if the SAP doctor provides him different plans for doing drug tests? For example, first year, 10 times during the drug test. Starting the SAP so, program, I would like to ask how a driver can finish the SAP program within 60 days. If SAP doctor provides him different plan for doing drug tests, example, first year equals 10 times drug test. What I would recommend in that case, there's no way he's going to finish in 60 days. So he's going to have to go through the reinstatement process with the state to get his CDO valid again. Someone sort of captures the sentiment here. There's already too many subsections of the violations. How are we supposed to keep up with them? Why you contract with Reliance Partners for your insurance, you get access to myself and Daniel Vega. That's how. Yeah, there you go. We've got an individual who also sent in, it's a partial comment and a partial question. This seems like more of a financial incentive for states and insurance companies and others rather than a safety issue. With all these new violations being added, how can a company walk away with a clean inspection? So that's really the question after the comment. Daniel, why don't you try to give an answer to that? Because it does seem to be very frustrating, like they're out to get you, more categories. You could argue that, okay, maybe there's technically not new regulations, but the more granularity things are laid out, the more even the best intentioned patrol person is going to have ways to think of things while they're walking around the truck. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more violations written. I get that. But I think this new system might help the company in the way that it's going to break it down. For example, vehicle maintenance, it's going to be vehicle maintenance and driver observed. So it kind of gives you an idea of where you're having your issues when you're trying to work with your safety program for your company. Yeah, I know it's negative. There's like 3000 violations, like Mark said, but at the end of the day, there's nothing we could do. That's the feds coming down with those regulations. But I think using this new system might be helpful for you. Well, checking on lights is always part of a good pre-trip, post-trip, and mid-trip if you're taking a break type of uh, inspection or walkthrough. So should reinforce that more than ever. 
I'm seeing a question that says, if we get the notification for the driver status change in the clearinghouse by email, but the driver is no longer with the company, are we still required to run a query? The answer is you won't be able to, because if you're running a full query, he has to give authorization. So what I would do is I would document it. Documenting is the best way to go in case something comes up later down the road. Here's something else that we should also do. Make sure you have clear documentation of when the driver left the company or was terminated from the company, because it is not uncommon for a driver to use his old company's information on the side of their new truck without ever letting you know. This happens quite a bit. Here's another question. Are these violations like your driving record? In other words, do they stop affecting your scores after a certain period of time? Of course, the answer is yes. But Mark or Daniel, one of you explain how long. So CSA scores affecting the motor carrier will stay on your profile for two years. It will affect the driver on their pre-employment screening program for three years. So it actually affects the driver more than it affects the company. But yeah, for all of you motor carriers out there, definitely use the pre-employment screening program because you can identify drivers that don't do proper pre-trips pretty quick if you see violations that they should have caught and gotten fixed prior to being inspected. Okay, so two years for the CSA score, three years on the pre-employment screening. Good. These have been some good questions. Mark, let me ask a different question here. I'm just trying to think of hypotheticals here. I had kind of written one out here yesterday. I think this category used to be a zero, but now it's going to be some points, either four or six points. But it used to be that if a driver was unfamiliar with the regulations regarding the vehicle regulations, I think around maintenance maybe or other regulations, it was not a violation, but now it is. Can you just talk about that one a little bit? Yes. So this is one of the violation categories that was added in in 2-1 of 23. It is a 396.1 violation. 396.1A-IMC, and they got a 1-knowledge. That's the coding that they're using. And it is a violation for inspection, failing to be knowledgeable and or comply with the requirements of Part 396. This isn't a new regulation. That thing has been there forever. Rarely gets cited at roadside, but I've been seeing it a little bit more and more. It didn't have CSA points prior to 2-1-23, and it still doesn't have CSA points if they're using the old software, but the new software is going to be a four-pointer. The other one is failing to have knowledge of and comply with the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulations of this part. Now, that is a very subjective regulation, subjective on what the officer's idea is, what is adequate knowledge of that part. If you talk to the officer, I can guarantee you they can't list everything that's listed out in Part 396. And it's only for Part 396. It's not for Part 393. It's not for Part 395. It's only for 396. And that's very limited in its scope of the regulations. Sometimes these regulations seems like something George Orwell might have tried to write about in either Animal Farm or 1984, where the government just has more and more power there. But that's sort of an inside joke. We do have another question here. I got a 393.9 and a 393.9H on the same inspection. Can that be data queue challenged? So the 393.9 is old coding as well as the H. The H means that the headlight was inoperative. The 393.9, that's going to be a clearance light, marker light, identification light, a license plate light. That's a two-point violation. You're not going to win that on a data queue. You got to remember, the only thing that we're going to be able to win on data cues are things that have been cited wrongly. 
So if they use the wrong coding and the wording doesn't match the violation, we can data queue it to have it changed over. Now, I always stress that if you're going to have a violation change, make sure that what they're changing it to is the same or less amount of points. We don't want to go in and do a data queue and have points added to it. The state of Pennsylvania, this is what happens when you do a data queue through the state of Pennsylvania. They will look at the entire inspection report and they have an expert look at it. And if there's added violations that should have been there that would increase the point value or would do more damage to our company, they will add it. They're adamant about that. I talked to them on the phone and they said, our FMCSA division administrator, which is the head FMCSA guy for Pennsylvania, tells the state, yeah, go ahead and add those violations in if they're warranted. You got to be careful on what you're going to data queue to make sure that there's no other way that points can be added on. Here's another partial question. I wish DataQ was a more efficient system because we've received violations for a driver that was not our driver, nor had our markings on the truck he was driving. DataQ acknowledged the error, but never corrected our record. So it affected our insurance rate and our SMS score. Mark, do you have any advice there? Because you're successful over 70% of the time with DataQs. Quick thoughts? So what you need to do then is... First step is you go back into that data queue and open it back up. If you've only data queued it once and that's the only response and they said, yeah, we're going to correct it, but they never corrected it. You go back to that data queue and you open it back up and says, hey, this is still showing on our SMS profile. Take a screenshot of it, put it in a Word document and add that Word document to the data queue showing that it's still on their profile. If they said, no, we're showing that it was taken care of on our end. You can actually, when you look at the data queue responses, there's a name and a phone number of the person that responds to you. You can call that phone number and talk to them. I've done that many times. And then you can explain the situation. If that's still their feeling, say, hey, we got this uploaded correctly. And this has happened to me before as well. No, we have it uploaded correctly. Everything looks good in our system. Then you go to the SMS system. There you can provide feedback as well. And they're very responsive when you say, hey, this is showing on my profile. I won this data queue. Why is this still showing on my profile? They will actually give you a call and try to help you figure it out. When it came to this process, when I called for one of my clients, it came out that, oh, there were two inspection reports that were uploaded. They saw it in the SMS and they took out the one that had the incorrect information and that was corrected before. Now, there is another state that's out there that is having all kinds of problems when it comes to intermodal chassis, when violations shouldn't be attributed to the motor carrier. Sometimes they're being attributed to the motor carrier and they say, no, we're good. We got it uploaded here. They're still having problems in getting that information removed and corrected. I've been working on this for one of my clients for six months. Now we're working with FMCSA to see what's going on with Illinois when doing that. So when it comes to doing data queues, we just don't sit with the data queue. Sometimes we call the agency. Sometimes we call FMCSA. Sometimes we call the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance to get clarification on items. For example, one of my clients got a violation for mismatched brake chambers on an axle. Well, one brake chamber was a Type 30 clamp chamber. The other brake chamber on the other side was a Type 30 long stroke. I'm like, I remember from my training, they said, hey, type 30 is type 30. It's all about the diaphragm size inside the canister. It has nothing to do with long stroke versus regular stroke. Reached out to CVSA, and those are the experts, and they are very knowledgeable people. They're the ones that come out with inspection processes. They're the ones that are providing all the training now to all the states. 
And they responded, you are correct. So I'm going to be data queuing that here in the next day or two. A couple of other comments. Someone said scale pre-pass services looking better than ever now. 100% agreed. Back to the other data queue challenge. The individual responded that we opened it multiple times for months and spoke to them. And it still wasn't corrected after they said they would correct it. We got no help. What I would suggest to that individual is ask your insurance agent at Reliance, if you're with Reliance, hey, can I speak to Mark Barler? He's really our data queue specialist. All of our safety guys can do that. But Mark's had just an unbelievable track record in that arena. We'd love to help you. And Mark, we trust. Yeah, exactly. I get that. We do have a question here. I have a situation where I was cited for a 393.201A cracked frame, and I have a steel frame aluminum bed trailer. It was the aluminum bed that was cracked on the side. Is that something that can be challenged? Well, it all comes down to what type of trailer is it? Is it a flatbed trailer? Is it a van trailer? How is it constructed? Is it a cargo tank that forms a part of the trailer? Where was that aluminum crack at? So very difficult to answer that one. If you got a van trailer and you have the upper rail and the lower rail and there's cracks through that, that opens up when there's nothing we can do about that. Because with a van trailer, the entire construction of that van trailer provides the support for that van trailer, if that makes sense. It's kind of a unibody thing where the entire vehicle is the support system. The crack was on the side under the logistics trail. I would have to have like an overview of the trailer, a photo of it, and then close up of where that crack was. Step deck trailers, you have some that are heavy haul and some that are not heavy haul. It all depends on where that was and if it's a load bearing section that was a part of the frame. That's a very difficult one. So is that something that if they're using Reliance, they could take some pictures and send it to the agent and they can reach out to you? Yeah, that's exactly what can happen. You talk to your agent, say, hey, I hear you guys got a safety team. I was on Safety Matters. Can you get me in touch with them? His name is Daniel Vega. No, I think anyone on the team could help out with that question. It definitely was not a load-bearing section. So at least that's a small part. Yes, and feel free to reach out. You have more than just myself and Daniel Vega. Our safety team is comprised of former CDL drivers. They have been driving in the industry for, what, 20 years? Former FMCSA Investigator of the Year. We have a wealth of knowledge that covers the entire spectrum from operation all the way to regulatory compliance, roadside inspections. And then when FMCSA comes in and says, we're going to shut you down because you got an unsatisfactory, we can get you back to either unrated or whatever your rating was prior to the inspection. We provide those services to our clients or sometimes at a cost if you're not at our clients. That's Mark Barler with his closing observations on this episode of the Safety Matters podcast. We would like to thank Mark and his fellow Reliance Partner safety teammate, Daniel Vega, for joining us. We appreciate their time and perspective addressing the many questions around these changes. Reliance Partners is here to help. In fact, we created this Safety Matters podcast and webinar series to serve as a resource to the trucking and logistics industry. Safety Matters is a platform designed to help our motor carrier friends in their efforts to be safer and to be compliant with all of the various trucking regulations. Before we close out this edition of the Safety Matters podcast, I want to tell you a little bit about Reliance Partners. Reliance is the largest independent insurance agency solely focused on trucking and logistics. 
Our entire team appreciates the important role that trucking and logistics plays within the American economy, and we are absolutely dedicated to this industry. Folks, let's talk about how to connect with Reliance Partners, because it's very easy. You can follow us on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all at Reliance Partners to stay up to date. Especially keep an eye on LinkedIn for announcements on when our next episodes will be airing. Just search Reliance Partners. Also, don't forget to visit our website at www.reliancepartners.com. There you can explore everything we have to offer from requesting a quote to viewing our comprehensive range of services beyond safety. Once again, thank you for spending part of your day with us on the Safety Matters podcast. Now, we would like to invite you to become a regular listener to the podcast by subscribing to Safety Matters on your podcast platform of choice. You can find the podcast by searching Reliance Partners on all of the major podcast outlets. And by becoming a subscriber to the podcast, you will be notified each time we release a new episode. And you'll also have an opportunity to rate the podcast and to share your feedback with us. And finally, as our podcast title says, safety matters. So on behalf of the entire team at Reliance Partners, let's stay safe out there.